The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report with Dom and Charles. Hello, Charles. And Dom, last Friday, huge news in the world of crypto. Which uh, it's worth something again? <laughs> no, oh, okay. no, no, no. Sam Bankman-Fried. Oh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Who was the head of FTX. It was the second biggest crypto firm in the world. Mm. Pronounced and- fucked, I think, isn't it? Like, yeah. it? We're calling it FTX, but I think yeah. the correct pronunciation Fucks. is fucked. 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 Yeah. So he'd been on trial for the small crime of stealing $8 billion. I mean, is stealing the word to use or is reinvesting in his customer's best interests a better way to put it? Well, that that is how his defence team essentially put it. Uh, but he was convicted. Oh, okay. So we can say he's definitely a thief. Yes. Right. So he's convicted of stealing $8 billion, which is quite a lot of money. It's amazing. I mean, hats off to the guy. That mm. That's a lot of money to steal. And, look, I want to go through, first of all, all the things that he did right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's set. useful for, for lessons. Yeah. yeah, and then all the things that he probably could have done a little bit better, you know, yes. in terms of stealing. That's good, yeah. But then after that, Dom, I want to pose the question to you, which is what would you do if you stole $8 billion? Let's get into that after this. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. First of all, let's go through the things that he did right. Okay. First one is he sponsored a lot of cricket. Over yes, the years. he did, didn't yeah. he? So nice of him. It was just like 18 months ago that uh, FTX started getting into real trouble. It must have been about beginning of 2021. No, 2022. It right. Was. And he was sponsoring the Ashes. Like the FTX was the one of the key sponsors in the Ashes. What an apt metaphor for what was about yeah. to happen to his business. <laughs> and literally, it was during the Sydney test that his company started crumbling around him. I think he fled the Bahamas at that. Or he, or he was holed up in the Bahamas for and a few months. That's unusual because generally one flees to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, like that's right. Starting in the Bahamas and then committing your crimes is an unusual progression. Yeah, and it wasn't until November that the actual cricket, the ICC, came and went, okay, these people are clearly just crooks. We should stop taking their money. And it was during the World Cup, it, like the T20 World Cup at the end of last year, that they went, okay, well, we've taken all his money, but we're not going to put his logo on the finals. Right, <laughs> so they took the money. They presumably yeah. they kept the money yes. Oh, yes, rather than yes. returning it to the investors. No. But yes. like we, we wouldn't want cricket to be embarrassed mm. by its association with FTX. That very ethical, mm. entirely racism-free game, yeah. So that was probably the best thing he did. But yeah, the, thank you, Sam. The other really good thing that he did, and I think if you were in the process of stealing $8 billion, which mm. I think we can now say for certain is what was going on. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What you should do is you should grease the wheels of those in power. Very right. sensible. And he had this strange strategy of advertising the fact that he was uh, giving a lot of money to Democrats and often quite, quite yep. progressive Democrats in the US and then hide the fact that he was giving pretty much an equal amount of money to Republican 
politicians as well. Mm. And it, it added up to about $100 million wow. in 2021 and 2022 that he gave. Yeah, the midterms was 2022. Yeah. And he gave a huge amount of money in the lead up to that. Well, and that would have been embarrassing for Republicans, Charles, because as, as you know, I mean, Stop the Steal has been such a big mantra of theirs, talking about the election yes. in 2020. And Sam Bankman-Fried... He was not on board with Stop the Steal. Yeah, that he was, was not his thing. That was not a slogan that he uh, could get on board with. And you'd think, because a lot of what he was trying to sort of get done in Washington was the regulation of crypto finance. Now, that may, for somebody who breaks the law, that might be seen as a sort of silly thing to do, right? Mm. But if you're wanting to commit a serious crime, one way to get away with it is to essentially write some laws that make what you've done retrospectively legal and just part of the process. What a good idea, because I guess, Charles, if you think about it, all the crypto bros' assertion when they started operating was, Mm. this is, look, it's a brand new form of money. It's not like old money. This is a new thing. None of the rules apply. It's all free on the internet. You can't regulate us. Whereas I believe the SEC, isn't it, the regulator in the US, Mm. thought, well, actually, no, you're taking lots of money from US citizens in return for a service involving finance. Yes. Are you potentially a bank? And the people who gave their money to FTX found out that no, No. FTX was not a bank. They're not a bank. And they didn't have, in particular, they didn't have like those gold bullion deposits, which were designed to, you know, shore up the bank. But that was the question being asked. So buying both political parties, I suppose, is one way to try and make sure that uh, you don't have to be regulated. So they are the things that he did right. The things that he did wrong, and, you know, there's probably quite a long list that he can point to, but the first one I feel is that he almost immediately distanced himself from the other people, like his co-conspirators. So it wasn't just him doing the stealing. There were three other people involved. There was his on and off girlfriend. Slash the woman who ran the arm's length was Alameda Research. Alameda Research, which was the hedge fund arm of FTX. And what we've discussed uh, you know, on previous podcasts is the way the whole theft worked was they set up at arm's length, even though they were in bed together, they mm. were arm's length in bed. Arm's length in bed. Yeah, you can be arm's bed. length in like yeah. We're at arm's length now, Charles. We're sitting quite close to each other. Mm. But I mean, my your, yeah. your shoulder's about an arm's distance. So no, exactly. if, if I was to, you know, run the hedge fund arm of the chaser yes. and you were to run the chaser arm. Oh, yes. Then we'd be completely... At arm's length. Yeah, at arm's length. We'd be doing the job. And so the point being that the way it worked was they were completely separate entities and... Alameda just on its own independently made the decision to keep funneling money into FTX. Yes. And essentially lend lend money to FTX, Mm. which it then was able to... Embezzle. Embezzle, yes, exactly (laughs) right. Almost immediately, Sam Bankman-Fried started leaking to journalists things like internal chat logs and I think even his girlfriend's diary he gave to a wired journalist. And that meant that, like, literally, I think it was the day that she discovered that he'd leaked the diary to the (laughs) Wired journalist, that she went straight to the prosecutor's office in New York and went, you know what, I'm willing to do a deal. So the thing is, if you ever want to steal $8 billion, don't betray the people who know how you did it. And I see what Sam Bankman-Fried was was thinking, Charles, because Mm. when you love someone, you want to be with them all the time. You don't want to be apart from them. Yeah. 
Yes. And so when you're going down for potentially hundreds of years of jail time, yes. you want to make sure they're implicated so that you'll be doing time together. together. Maybe yes. not in the same prison or no. certainly not the same cell, but you, at least mm. spiritually you'll know that the two of you are both caged birds. You, you're in it together. You're in it together, just yeah. not literally. But how does that apply to the other two people he threw under the bus? Which uh, Well, Uber. didn't they have orgies and do partner swapping? Oh, like? no, oh, yeah, yeah. For right. all I know, oh, okay. they, yes. were, they were what, a thruple or a fupple? Yes, no, you're right. That is true. Yes. Is, what's a four-person thruple? I'm going to call a, it a fupple. A forgy, is A forgy. Yes. Okay. That sounds like an outdated um, phone technology. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so there were the mistakes, right? This is really good to know in terms oh, yeah. of our own business. And then the final mistake that he made, which I think was probably possibly the worst mistake of all, there seems to be some level of arrogance attached to this Sam Bankman freed I mean, guy, what right? are the odds that a guy that mm. set up a crypto exchange would be yeah. a bit of a douche? <laughs> bit of a bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think it helped that Michael Lewis, who wrote Liar's Poker... Oh, wrote Moneyball, like a great investigative journal, yeah. Extraordinary. Really understands finance. Yeah. Followed him around even before it started collapsing and was writing essentially a hagiography about him. The book itself is called Infinite Man, Infinite... Oh, really? Infinite Wisdom. Quite was su- I'm quite surprised. Uh, M- Michael Lewis is, you know, he's quite uh, a savvy journalist. Oh, no, he only re- released it a few weeks ago. I loved Moneyball. I started reading it and um, it was unreadable because it's this hagiographic sort of look at, you know, the much misunderstood guy who stole $8 billion. That's so bizarre. Yes, he's been totally, and he actually, in his press circuit, he sort of admitted, oh yeah, I sort of got a bit caught up in. Reality distortion field. Yeah, that's right. You know what this means, Charles? He must have had crypto with FTX. Yes. That's <laughs> desperately trying to pump and dump. The crucial mistake is Sam Bankman-Fried decided to testify in his own trial. Now, the one thing that you do if you steal $8 billion that all lawyers will tell you is whatever you do, don't testify <laughs> because it gives prosecutors the chance. So the prosecutors have to prove that you've done something. Mm. And if you don't say anything at all, then your lawyers are free. I'm not a lawyer, Don, but you're a, you've studied law. I studied law. I'm certainly you, not a lawyer. You know that this is true, right? Well, Which that your lawyers, it gives them far more options to go, well, maybe he just stubbed his toe and accidentally um, pressed that button. You know. $8 billion. Yeah. yeah, but don't forget as well, there's the Fifth Amendment in America, which means that there's a you can't. Uh, protection against self-incrimination. So presumably, uh, I don't want to make assumptions, but in the case of Sam bankman fried I imagine opening his mouth would be <laughs> self-incriminating. Yeah. By the way, Michael Lewis's book I just checked, it's called Going Infinite. Yes. Uh, presumably he didn't realise he was referring to the sentence <laughs> at the time that he named it. <laughs> yeah, so he spent the last few weeks testifying. I assumed, of course, that the jury would spend a week or two trying to figure out who was guilty, who was not. Mm. They took four and a half hours. I mean, I'm surprised it took that long. (laughs) I reckon it took them five minutes and they went, let's just have some drinks. Yeah, that's right. But we're going to have to go back to our jobs and, you know, partners soon. We've got all this free food. Let's just make it look like we spent a long time on this. Because, Charles, in the age of crypto, Mm. I mean, transactions happen in an instant, don't they? No, not in the age of crypto. (laughs) Not an FTX. It takes really long for the blockchain to work. That's That's true. part of the problem with crypto. So 110 years he's facing in jail, do you reckon? I do like that these days sentences seem not to have any regard for human lifespan. Like, like, it's like, yeah, Yeah. uh, or should it be a thousand? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's a white-collar criminal, so he'll still get out in five. Yeah. Let's be be clear. Oh, the other real thing that he did right, which I forgot to mention, is that both his parents 
parents are legal experts, financial legal experts. Oh, that's right. He's the kid of two sort of geniuses, isn't he? And his mum is a, an expert, a professor in legal ethics. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and is his dad like a professor of irony? And I have read this chilling account that puts a very convincing argument that his parents are in fact fairly narcissistic, alpha style go-getters and that actually they profess that they're doing everything for Sam and Mm. everything. But actually, at the end of the day, they sort of have sunk him themselves. That essentially... I mean, he's a sunk cost at this point, isn't he? They helped him do all this stealing. They got huge amounts of gifts. They got tens of millions of dollars worth of gifts out of him while he was in charge. And Charles, I've always said, if you're a professor of legal ethics Mm. and millions of dollars drop into your lap from your son from some new business that they're running, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Take it on trust. I assume this is ethical. Don't even say that. Yeah, Don't even, just no. spend the money and enjoy it. Yes. And just assume that your lectures around the breakfast table um, have sunk in at some point. I, I want to get into what would, we would do with the eight billion, Charles, uh, in a few moments as we continue the tale of Sam Bankman-Fried, who has been a huge success in life as long as you take account of all the stealing. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that we always place all these moral judgments around what is a good life, whereas, you know, what we should actually be doing is... Let's find out after this. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. The Chaser Report. Less news, more often. I think the thing is, Charles, it's good to be remembered. And if if you just started a crypto Mm. exchange that was briefly popular, Mm. and then because here's the thing that's funny about all of this, and there's many ironies, but part of the irony, I presume, is that in between Bankman-Fried funneling all this money out and having the consequences, crypto crashed massively, right? So ironically, okay, he stole all this money from his investors, but if the you just left it mm. in crypto, they would have lost most of their money anyway, wouldn't they? Bitcoin has bounced back a bit lately. Yeah. But in some senses, if you if you were able to pay them back, they'd probably say thank you. It's a favour. <laughs> taking our money out of crypto. Yeah. Because what I never understand about any of these cases is why if you'd set up a sort of business that had taken in, I think it was about $30 billion yep. worth of investors' funds and you had them under management and presumably there were completely legal ways to just make a good clip out of that. Like just yeah. Take, you know, just well, even 1% te- you're doing fine. Tell everyone, oh, we're taking 1%, then it's mm. all above board and legal. Why you would bother going to the lengths of then stealing some more on top of that? Well, isn't you the know? thing, isn't the thing, it's basically you get to the point where you think it's an infinite cookie jar and you just assume there'll always be more money because I don't know how much you spend because you're so brilliant that you just keep getting more. Like, well, so, and that is certainly true. In the dying days of FDX where it was clear it was about to collapse, he was begging his investors to give him 24 more hours. He was talking to the feds and saying, look, 
I've just got to line up some more money from the Saudis to plug that gap Mm. and it'll all be fine. And there is a sort of truth to that in terms of modern financial management, which is that if you can keep the scheme going by finding a greater fool and pay back your original people, then the authorities really don't look too hard at what you're doing. I mean, Jared Kushner, right, did that deal with Qatar and managed to sort of keep... It's like a hamster in a wheel. You kind of keep the wheel spinning a bit longer. And in fact, if I remember correctly, um, SBF was going going to do a deal with Binance, which is the, the biggest yes. crypto exchange. They yes. were going to bail him out. And then they took a quick look at the financials and were like, holy shit, we're not going near that. Well, one of the problems is that SBF had paid Binance in these tokens that Alameda Research had created. Oh, right. Yes. And so that would have been wise to that. And, and that was part of the trick on the balance sheet was like, if we value these coins, which are completely illiquid because we own all the coins, yes. we value them at $8 billion. And therefore, we're not broke because we've got these $8 billion worth of shiny beads that and, we invented. And I've been saying for years, Charles, that the Chaser is is a very, very worth hundreds of millions of dollars because of all the Chaser coin that we that we made. Yes, um, yes. Which each one of them is worth actually $1 trillion <laughs> uh, now. I've just revalued yeah. them during the yeah. course of this podcast mm. but it, this is how it works well, this may- is the bizarre thing about the crypto world is it's just make-believe yes well it's, this a, stuff. it's a make-believe ponzi scheme it, it mm. is definitely a ponzi scheme yes and as we covered last week ai is about to collapse the whole thing anyway mm. bernie madoff is going to seem like this tiny little two-bit operator in well, I was comparison just thinking, to the tri- crypto scheme because the thing about the bernie madoffs of this world is he wasn't intending, like, yes, okay, we now say he was stealing, mm. and he was, but he just thought there'd always be more money. This is the thing. So I'm looking forward to, I mean, we talk a lot about the Turing test for whether a computer has artificial intelligence, whether it's sentient, can it pass for a human? I'm looking forward to, we can call it the SBF test, perhaps, when an artificial intelligence is able to, of its own accord, create a Ponzi scheme and defraud humans, yes. then we'll know that a landmark has been reached yes. in AI technology without even any humans being greedy, just because it realize it just wants, I don't know, more chaser coins or whatever it might be. <laughs> it's been programmed to try and maximize. Mm. Which makes me think, Charles, how have we not gotten our own AI going? Why, we, why haven't we gotten on the bleeding edge of this thing? Because it's a great way to Oh, the AI. It was the AI that transferred all that money from our investors. We didn't even realize. I think part of it is that at its core, AI is fundamentally boring because it only you can't actually invent anything new. It no. can just reconfigure stuff that's been already put into it. Oh, okay. So what it would do, yeah, because this is what I've been kind of studying lately. I mean, AI serves up the most likely next word, as we said before. So yeah. what it would do is just brew up all the Ponzi schemes of the past. Yes, exactly. Madoff, SBF, everything mm. else, you know, the, the Chase's subscription scheme <laughs> in, the, in the early 2000s. All those elements, it wouldn't actually come up with something original, but it would come up with no, but it would, Uber But version. it would become up with Actually, a, Uber. Uber's a, probably a Ponzi scheme a, too. A well-optimised version. Yeah, it would be, be very yeah. optimised. Ah, okay. yeah. So what would you do if you stole $8 billion? Bitcoin, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's put, right. put, put it all in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. That's a very good question. Because that's quite a lot of money to have had the power over. Like, yeah, it's, even, a, like, it's crazy. I mean, how, how would you even spend that? Amazing fall from great. Well, it's sort of bizarre what he did spend it on. It was things like they were renting a hotel room mm. as their oh, office right. slash orgy palace. Mm. And that presumably cost, what, $25,000 a week or something? Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, you could probably buy a house in Sydney for $8 billion. Hey, on ching No, but the other thing I was thinking was at the going rate, doesn't that get you one periscope of a nuclear submarine, $8 billion? 
Yeah, yeah, Just the yeah, one yeah. periscope. But in reality, the that diffs, was, that's what, like 20% of your nuclear submarine. Like that. Compared to what we're blowing on that scheme, it's nothing. It's Sam nothing. Sam freed is. Compared to ScoMo and Albo. But what would you, would you, maybe renewables or something, you put it into renewables. I mean, if you wanted to invest it, yeah, I guess so. But what would you do? Like, what would you do with it? What would you do? What would you honestly do? Like, I'm not asking as a joke. I'm asking is it, what would you actually do if you had $8 billion? Right I, here, right I now. Mean, I think I would find. Can I borrow some money? <laughs> I think I'd find things that I really liked to invest in at a at a potential loss. Like, first thing I'd do, in, in actuality, mm. if, if I had $8 billion, yeah. is I would recreate our comedy club. I would bring it back. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, I would, day one, I, w- yes. I would go, you know what, that was great. It was great. Yeah. And it didn't even lose money at one point. Like, it was actually doing okay for a while there. Yes. Giant Dwarf. I'd bring back Giant Dwarf for sure Yes. Um, as a comedy theatre. I'd buy Triple M. Oh, would you? Yeah. Well, just apparently so- it's not very much at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know. Get Have a ri- show. Get rid of the yeah. You just do a show, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, like you're just like nine p nine pm till eleven pm. Yeah. Wednesdays and Thursdays. Like Charles, Charles's nightly ramble. That'd be, that'd be quite nice. That's a great idea. What else, what else would you buy? I would either buy a Tesla or Tesla. I'm not sure which of the two. <laughs> I'd buy a sport team. I, th- I think I'd love to buy a soccer team or something. Yeah, okay. Really which fun. one? Oh, oh, you could buy see, any of them. You could buy Manchester United, couldn't you? You probably could actually for that. Yeah. yeah, but that wouldn't be a good investment. No. Arsenal's my team. I'd tr- maybe try to buy them. But I could buy Sydney FC and make but them good. Would it be good actually owning the team that you go actually, for? No. Because the then you're not a spectator. You. All the fans that hate you. you. Then, yeah, you want to just be a bit separate from your team. You'd buy the rest of the teams and make them shit. Yeah, that would, you, <laughs> you know what you'd do? You know what would be the coolest thing to do? To to basically buy art and, like, the whole of art. Yeah. Like, anyone making art, you, you yes. would buy the art. Yes. And the amazing thing is it would probably actually pay for itself. Yeah. Like, over time, if, you, if every emerging artist literally. You, you know what you've talk, you're talking about? It's basically a Ponzi scheme. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know the federal, federal government has a thing called Art Bank that does this, right? It's actually yeah. the, one of the best things they've ever done. Oh, yeah. The federal government buys artwork from emerging artists, like new artists, who desperately need the money. And mm. so it's wonderful and it's good for their CV. They can say they're in the Art Bank collection. Mm. Federal government buys them and then sits on them. There's a giant warehouse in kind of Redfern that has all this stuff. Well, Alexandria, I think, that has all this stuff. We should do an Art Bank heist. We should. And it's really it's a really cool warehouse. Mm. So it's a really cool kind of office. But then they rent it out to big corporations. So if you're a giant corporation and you want to have like really great art in your office, you rent it from ArtBank. But then wow. we keep owning it and it keeps getting wor- worth more and more money. And eventually the really good ones end up in the, in the National Gallery or wherever mm. and it accumulates lots of money. So it's actually, I think it's probably the best bit of public policy Australia has actually ever had. So I'd do a, I'd do a private version of that. So there you go, Sam Bankman fried Look, it's never a happy story when a crook goes to jail. Really? Oh, well, maybe it is actually, yeah. In this case it is. <laughs> well, I just, look, I, I do feel sorry for him a little bit, though, because if you look at the world, mm. right, as, as a white guy from a privileged background yes. in America, yes. what are the odds you'll have any consequences? I mean, you for can- For your actions. You can throw, you can com- literally overthrow American democracy okay. and nothing will happen. Nothing. In fact, you'll be neck and neck with Joe Biden in the polls is what yes. you'll be. Consequences are, like, like people like you and me, Charles, we're allergic to consequences. Mm. They never happen. Yes. Do they? No, they Unless, don't. I mean, if you murder someone, maybe, maybe there's a chance. 
Well, but just a bit of light hire, fraud. Hire a good lawyer. Just an eight, just a bit of $8 billion fraud. Yes. Which goes to show we were never ambitious enough with the Chaser Charles. Yes, we should have murdered more people. No, no, oh, no. Oh, no, you mean, oh, you the, mean uh, embezzled, yeah. right? Who's to say we didn't? Who, who knows? A lot of stunts went down back in the day. <laughs> anyway, so I think, Charles, the aim to us is that our, our Ponzi scheme uh, with the subscriptions was mm. too small. And look, if, if you are listening to this and you've got $8 billion. Um, buy the Chaser. Buy the Chaser, yeah. And we'll we'll keep running it into the ground for you. <laughs> you can just buy our shares. Uh, our gear is from Rogue. We're part of the Iconoclast Network. There you Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.